good afternoon good evening welcome to today's episode of musings with jesus my name is chola i'm your host thank you for joining me i hope you are well i hope all is good in you with you in your world and everything's fine in jesus name yeah again i apologize to some of my my listeners my all my listeners um i haven't been recording as much as i should have and um, there's just been a lot going on again no excuse but i i I feel i need to apologize but anyway i'm here but i've been spending a lot of time in the bible in scriptures because this semester you know i'm in bible school i'm doing a seminary master's program in at western seminary in the u.s it's an online program and this semester i made the (laughs) let me not say mistake I made the choice to take two courses from one of my favorite lecturers. What I didn't realize is that, and one was four credits, the other one was two credits. So I thought, I mean, typically the two credit courses are very obviously lower in workload than the four credits. I didn't realize that this lecturer, (laughs) the difference between his four credits and two credits course in terms of time is, is, is almost, in fact, it's very little. So... It was like I took on two credit, two two four unit courses, you know. With it's like I, I took on a four unit course with a two a four credit course with a two credit um work. I mean, four credit workload on a two credit course. Yes, that's what I meant to say. So and that wasn't what I planned for because I have I had structured you know I I had structured my whatever uh, my schedule against that workload. So that was. And I joined the class a bit late, the two credits cards, because I had to make some changes. So anyway, so anyway, that's my schedule, if I digress too much into that. But I have been spending a lot of time in the Word of God, because again, he's my favorite lecturer, because he's very scholarly, he gives you a lot of content. So a lot of the stuff, I don't even want to just raise through it, I really, I have really entered into the content. And... Um, it's made me really reflect on a lot of things and you know the difference between what the bible is saying and what i am doing and what i see many christians around me doing and it's so funny yesterday i was i facilitated i was in a christian women's uh, meeting and it was a one of these um ministry in the marketplace kind of things where we're talking about work life but in you know in the context of christ and how we can live out our faith achieve the things we need to and you know get fulfillment in the workplace even as christians and somebody i asked a question you know about you know as christians do we think that we are living out the values of christ in the workplace and a lady answered and the response that she gave in fact everything she said have you ever been in a situation whereby somebody says something that speaks your exact mind as in literally every single word she said could have come from me and i have never met her before in my life she started she started talking about what she has observed you know that generally speaking in our environment i mean she's also based in lagos nigeria where i live and we have a lot of churches here. I mean, this is a very Christian state. We do have Muslims. It's, it's Christian. It's half Christian, half Muslim. But it's about 22 million people. So there are a lot of Christians. We have a lot of big churches, mega churches, prominent pastors that are well known 
across Nigeria, Africa, internationally, globally. I mean, Lagos is like, you know, a very strong Christian state and not just known within Nigeria, it is international. It is the home to a lot of prominent Pentecostal charismatic movements and churches that have birthed um, missions all over the world. That is where I live in Lagos. But over the years, we have come to see that and she now reflected what she was saying that most people who are Christians, even people who are men of the cloth, according to how they are called, men of the color, people who are leaders in, 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 in Christianity, that in the office you do not see anything about them that speaks to Christ. But that the people who carry their religion, in fact, she, she, what she, the comment was so profound. She said that funny enough, it's the Muslims that you see that you, you see the consciousness of God. They carry the consciousness of God into everything that they do. But that we Christians, we sort of like think that God and the Bible is for is for church. It's for church activities. You know, you are Christian on Sundays or Wednesdays or Tuesdays, midweek services, you know, and all that. But that in the world, we are just like the world. And it was funny she was saying this. And what, what because I had also been reflecting on the fact that Christianity has been socialized as a faith that is just professed. Just confess Jesus, just receive him. And that there is no lifestyle change and that there is no burden of responsibility to live like a Christian. I don't know how, that is, it's so demonic because if there is any religion that is prescriptive, it is the Bible. The Bible describes and the Bible prescribes it tells you what you must do and what you must not do. The New Testament goes to a lot of detail to tell us. There are scriptures that talk about don't be a hypocrite, do not do eye service, do not steal, do not kill, do not lie, show love to everybody, be compassionate. If people do evil to you, turn the other cheek, make sure that you are an example of the believer, let your light shine so that people will see all your good um, works, follow peace with all men, you know, be holy as God is holy, do not be, in fact, he even describes the fruits of the spirit. He tells you, do not fornicate, do not commit adultery, um, do not be angry, do not be envious, do not be malicious. He says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which will minister grace unto the hearer. The Bible is prescriptive. It tells you that anybody that does all these things, that we have just, um, all the negative things, they will not enter into the kingdom of God. That the righteousness of the wrath of God is revealed upon all ungodliness. He, he tells us how to behave. He tells us how to think. He tells us how to feel. He says we should, be, we should not be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewal of our mind. The entire New Testament from the Gospel of Mark all the way to Revelation is full of warnings, is full of guidance and counseling and about how we should live as Christians. How we have managed to ignore 70 to 90 percent of the scriptures is is what i don't understand there is nothing in the bible that suggests that christianity is just a faith you profess christianity is a lifestyle i i mean it was funny because i i recall you know i had mentioned two musings two episodes ago how once a, a a muslim colleague had said to me that you know christianity is just a faith you profess but that islam is actually 
a lifestyle. And I found it so funny that he said so. And at the time, I was very young. I was about 21. I, I couldn't, and he was much older than I was. And he was my boss, a senior colleague. So I, I, I didn't really have the words to respond to him. But I was fascinated with the fact that that was his impression of Christianity. But as of that time, I think we were even more of a, you know, practical application body of Christ then, at least in my own environment. But looking back, I remember that statement. This person now is even passed on. He's, he's not, you know, he's no longer alive, you know. But I remember that statement because I have had, it, it was quite profound to me. And it, it revealed to me the way in which we were perceived as Christians. But... I now see that that is actually, he was actually right in that, or he, maybe he saw what I did not see. Or maybe that was the beginning of the shift into what we have now become, which is presenting Christianity as just a profession. Where in, as in, where in the Bible? How did we even get to this place? So in other words, what we have are Christians who can really do anything that they like honestly speaking and what i'm saying here is that i mean christians who they're not even trying to be hypocrites they're they're, they're actively saying one thing and doing something if at this day they're not even talking christ anymore the level of i don't want to use the word apostasy but the level of i don't know the level of departure from the faith that is ongoing in christian circles is shocking. Everything that God, that Jesus preaches against, arrogance, pride, envy, malice, um, this thing of, you know, thinking of yourself better than other people, it has become part and parcel of the way things are done in many of the churches around us, particularly in mega churches. There's a hierarchy, there's a status, some people are treated better than others. You know, the, the, uh, the behavior of the world has been packaged completely. In fact, for me, what is most stunning is because I grew up in the Orthodox Christian Church. Um, um, church and, um, you know, then the Charismatic Revival came, Pentecostal Revival. I went, you know, I got saved, moved into the, left my church, actually, my Orthodox Church, much to the <laughs> surprise of my mom. And got saved and started doing that. And all the things that we used to say, that we used to accuse in quotes, the Orthodox churches for doing, we have become like that. The Pentecostal movement in Nigeria has become exactly like the Orthodox church. In fact, in many ways, I would say the Orthodox churches have even become better to a very large extent from my perspective because at least they have stayed true to what they believe. We have not. We have not stayed true. That's... Um, charismatic Pentecostal revival. Let me see that Pentecostal revival that came, which is living a life that is experientially powered by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to live above the ways of the world and to be differentiated for good in Christ. We are no longer that person. And one thing that I remember from the early church was that the Bible says, I think it was Acts chapter 4, it says that People were afraid to join themselves to the apostles because the power they were working in, 
the level of holiness and righteousness. You couldn't be near them. You know how it is when you are near somebody that is on fire with God for God as an unbeliever. It's very uncomfortable because the person will be saying things that will be pricking your soul, talking to you about God. It was very, it was very difficult to be around, to be around zealous Christians, <laughs> particularly in those days. But these days, everybody is comfortable around us. We are not differentiated. The glory has departed. Anyway, so this is where I'm, I'm really reflecting on because. I don't want to be that kind of Christian. And I realize that I have become like that. In fact, I'm trying now to unlearn and to transform, to retransform again. Because to be honest, I think over the last 10, if not 15 years, I have become exactly what I have just described. A Christian in word, but not a Christian in deed. I have very... I don't want to say the word. I would say status conscious. I mean, I, I think so. Very self-serving, self-promoting. I I only do, you know, what I want to do. You know, very, very self, self-preserving. Not at all. I have not allowed the word of God and the spirit of God to change me the way that he would want me to, to be changed. I have kept myself and my life and my pathway in the way that I want it to be. And that is not Christianity. That is not actually who I was when I even gave my life to Christ. So I myself, I'm now realizing that a lot of things have changed. But it wasn't me alone. You know what I'm saying. So it's not like I deviated from what the rest of the church was doing. The church itself, we all deviated, we deviated as a body and I was part of that. But now, when you now hear Christians say, and the funny thing, when this lady said this thing, I echoed it. One other person echoed it as well. She was speaking, and all of us in different contexts, in different parts of the world, working in different organizations, God has brought us to a place of reflection to make us realize that there's something wrong. There's something wrong in the body of Christ. And apologies if you're not a Nigerian and you're listening to this, but I think this applies in many parts of the world, really. I think so, probably. And again, I always say this that in southern, in this is in the northern part of Nigeria, we, you know, I think they are still closer to the Bible standard than we are in the southern part. Southern part of Nigeria, we are hundred percent worldly. We are worldly. <laughs> we are worldly. If there's anything like a worldly Christian, we are worldly. We're not. Nobody is even. In fact, I have seen many cases of people who converted to Christianity who have then gone back to their former religions, and the reason why is because. They converted initially then during the revival because they could see the power, they could see the love, they could see the glory. But when they now realized, you know, no, they get caught in and then, you know, by the time the, this whole condition that we are in came, many people now realize that the love is not there anymore, the power is not there, the glory is not there, it's just gimmicks and false promises and, you know. So they went back to their communities, which, by the way, were at least delivering community to them. Because that's another thing we've lost in the body of Christ, that sense of community. All we have now are cliques. So little, little units of people supporting themselves so long as, you know, scratch my back, I scratch yours. And, you know, it's just really, what is going on is just, anyway. So, the scripture I want to read is Philippians chapter 3. I'm sorry, I didn't intend this to be a rant, but yeah. So from Philippians chapter 3, this is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. And he says from verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss. 
counted loss for Christ. Um, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I do count them but dung that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So Paul here, and you know, why, why I'm really happy about the way the Bible is written is that the Bible shares with us the stories of men and women who got it right, and also some that got it wrong. Some, you know, so that we can then see. We see what God approves. We see the, what God disproves. If we saw only, if the story the Bible was only full of good stories, we will not be able to relate because everybody will be like, okay, then that means that I can never attain. There's no point trying because I'm not as good as this guy. But the Bible shares a lot of bad stories from, from the first three chapters, uh, Garden of Agency. We see all of that. And from then on, in fact, Old Testament is just, wow, you know, bad story upon bad story. But he shares all of that so that we can see ourselves in those stories and know that people can fail. They can start off as Saul and become Paul. They can start off as Moses who killed somebody and become the prophet that took Israel from Egypt, delivered Israel from, that God used to deliver Israel from Egypt. You know, you, you can start off like Peter who denied Jesus and then become, you know, the apostle, the patriarch. You, you know, so many other stories like that. And, um, or Daniel who was taken into captivity became, you know, one of the prime ministers of Babylon. Joseph as well, David, shepherd boy, you know, and of course we know that David also fell, you know, and even after he became king, the things that he did that were wrong, and God still, you know, eventually kept his promise to him that, you know, he would have a son that would take over the throne, and David suffered a lot for the things that, decisions that he had made, you know. So we see all those good and bad stories. And in the lives of the apostles, while we see the apostles as a shining example, the apostles, we, we also in those stories hear about false brethren, false prophets, false teachers, false you know, apostles. We, we, we see all those. And God did not hide all those things from us just for us to know that there is good, there is bad on earth. And that we have the choice to choose what we will follow. So Paul was praying here that he's praying that he may know him the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. One thing that I pray for for myself is I, I pray that God, I don't want to live on the fringe of what it means to be a child of God. I think it would be horrible. And, and right now I feel like I'm living on the fringes because I think that there are a lot of things that I am dealing with that I'm experiencing. I can sense that they, they is, there is a... There is a world of difference. I, I can sense that there is so much more beyond where I have gotten to. But I am yet to get there because I am unwilling to pay the price that it would take for me to get there. Because for me to do that, that means I have to die to myself. I'm on the path anyway. I know that I'm on the path. But the, the dying is not easy because 
you know, like they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. When you have become socialized in doing things in a certain kind of way, <clears throat> a lot must happen. Not that it's impossible. It's just difficult. It's more difficult to teach an old dog than to teach a new one. Except you are born again and you receive him afresh. You know, So when you are born again, spiritually, God gives you the ability to reset from the beginning. But for those of us who have been saved... And in the salvation experience, we learned some things that we should not have learned, which is what has happened to people like me. I think we would really just need God to really help us come back to where we should be. You know, there's a scripture where the Bible talks about you have left your first love. People like us, we really need help to find our way back to our first love. And that's the journey I've been on. And I know I'm in a different place from where I was, but I'm still very far from where I should be spiritually. And that's, in fact, the fact that I'm even making a distinction between spiritual progress and financial progress and material progress, just, I think for me, shows me that I'm really in a different place now. And I thank God for that. Because for the last 10 years of my life, for me, progress was spiritual, was material progress. And that's, that's about the way I've been socialized. Whereas, I was not becoming more like Christ. I wasn't in any way. I wasn't becoming more like him. Nobody was getting saved through the testimony of my life. Nobody was coming to Jesus because of me. But I was feeling cool with myself that because I was getting promoted, I was earning more money, therefore I was doing well. I think a lot of us will be surprised when we come to that moment, you know, the day of reckoning when we will have to face God. Because if you read the Bible... And you see the standard that God has set. And to be honest, it's not an unattainable standard. But it's just about being taught the right thing. And we've been in the right spaces where those things are. Putting ourselves in the spaces where people can encourage us. Because I think that's what is lacking. I think for me. Because when I look at it in the... When the um, Pentecostal revival came in the 80s, there was a community of believers that were committed to doing what the Bible says. So it was very easy to go along with the flow. You went to church, everything that was being preached was about righteousness, holiness, you know, evangelism, becoming more like God, love for God. We were, we, we, we literally lived on the word of God. We, we ate the word of God as though, you know how people who are in a feeding frenzy are? We fed on the word of God with frenzy. In fact, for many years, by the time I, I backslid, which I didn't realize I was backslid, but though my years of lukewarm Christianity, what helped me through those years, and they were about 10 years or so, my 20s, was the way I had voraciously read the word of God. Till today, my mind is like a search engine for the Bible. Any situation, if you tell me to find a, a scripture to to you know to that can relate to it, I will I, I may not be able to tell you where the scripture is, but I will I will read the verse to you. And then, you know, by the time I Google search it, I can then say it to you. And that can only come by having really, really read the word. I have studied the word over my life. Oh, my goodness. Particularly the New Testament. I have read it. Read it. I, 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 read, I think I've read the New Testament at least 50 times. At least in my life. At least. At least. And some verses hundreds of times. It's still not enough. But clearly, the Bible is the book I've read the most in my life. But um, it is one thing to live. It is another. The Bible says, you know, you the person is one thing to do. And I think the Word of God has helped me, you know, in a lot of situations. But in particularly in this case of 
transforming into the image this thing that paul is describing in philippians 3 where he says that i may know him so knowing god the power of his resurrection the fellowship of his sufferings and being made conformable unto his death in other words becoming exactly like the christ that was ransomed that was the lamb of god that was the light of the world that was the salt of the earth becoming exactly like him and i don't mean you know we cannot be 100 like jesus but you know what i mean you know you and i know someone who is living the christ life i have a long way to go i have a long way to go particularly in that area of fellowship of his sufferings in the power of his resurrection in fact in all of that because i think it's when you know him that you are able to you know access the power of his resurrection and then fellowship of his sufferings so those three areas i am i think i'm very far behind i think i'm growing more in his knowledge but not as much in the power of his resurrection so there's something that i need to talk to god about there the fellowship of his sufferings uh no that one i'm not even in that space at all because my, my sense of self-preservation is very high so maybe this is something i need to pray about maybe this is really something because i, I now realize that this music is really much more for me yeah this is really for me this is really for me because i i know you know when you are growing you you know you know when you are growing it's like when you are you know if you're learning the keyboard you can tell when you are growing because all of a sudden you are able to play pieces that you could not play before. And you, you know, even other people may be like, oh, you are good, you are good. But you will know that, okay, yes, I'm good. But, you know, I only know four chord progressions. I do not know multi-level progressions. I cannot play jazz. You will know in your mind where you are making progress and where you are not making progress. So, you know, but people looking at you may be like, oh, my goodness, she can play. Because you can play, but you then you know, oh, yeah, I can play, but I can't quite play you know, classical, I can't play Bach, I can't play Mozart, I can't play, you know, classical the way I would want to. Even when I play it, I, I miss out some notes and some chords and, you know, it's not as rich and full as it should be. You know, I mean, you will know the technicalities of what you do not know because you are on the path. So I know that I'm, I believe I'm growing in my knowledge of him, but in my application and in my experience of his power, I'm still way behind. Maybe it's a process. Fellowship of his sufferings, no. I don't. I think I'm very way behind on that. That would be the lowest thing. Being made conformable unto his death, I think that's tied to the fellowship of his sufferings. I am not there at all. I think those are really low areas. But where I know that I am growing, actively growing, is in the knowledge of him. So, I think what I then need to talk to God about is. How does that knowledge then translate into the power of his resurrection in my life, the fellowship of his sufferings, and my being made conformable unto his death? And if there is more that I need to do. So Holy Spirit, I hope you're listening to me. God the Father, God the Son, I need help because I don't want to continue to be an, a superficial Christian. So help me. Let's, so I pray this prayer that Paul prayed as well, that Lord Jesus, I pray that I will not be found having my own righteousness, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And I pray that I may know you. Help me to be able to know you and the power of your resurrection, Lord Jesus, and to partake of the fellowship of your sufferings so that I may be conformable unto you, unto your death. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.